Chapter 5, Theoreticity, Practicity, Affectivity. An important thesis of structure in being is that chronic failures to adequately distinguish between and interrelate what it terms theoreticity, practicity, and aestheticity have led to deep and lasting confusion concerning philosophy on the whole, practical philosophy, especially ethics, and philosophical aesthetics. Structure in being aims to overcome this confusion by scru scrupulously distinguishing among kinds of sentences and identifying and indicating which kinds can and which kinds cannot be components of philosophical theories. A second important thesis that it emerges from the examination of the kinds of practical and aesthetic sentences that can be such components, sentences of these kinds can be true, and they can be true because practical and aesthetic values are, in conventional terminology, objective rather than subjective in the sense that they are full-fledged constituents of being. In this section, Tapto builds on, but also diverges from, structure and being, first in speaking of affectivity rather than aestheticity. The use of this term builds on structure and being's evaluation as basically correct of Kant's thesis that, quote, all faculties or capacities of the soul can be reduced to the three that cannot be further derived from a common ground, the faculty of cognition, the feeling of pleasure and displeasure, and the faculty of desire, end quote. Elsewhere, structure and being presents as the three most important of the absolutely essential factings that are absolutely necessary constituents of human being, thinking, reason and understanding, willing, and being conscious. Thinking is clearly the counterpart to Kant's faculty of cognition, and willing the counterpart to Kant's faculty of desire. Being conscious, however, is clearly not the counterpart to Kant's feeling of pleasure and displeasure. Tapto's affectivity is... It is an additional necessary constituent of human being. Structure and being li links aestheticity to beauty. According to Tapto, what are traditionally termed intensive aesthetic experiences of beauty involve being pleased in a specific way, which it terms being calologically delighted. Calological delight is considered in some detail in Chapter 7. Hence, what structure and being terms aestheticity is included within what Tapto terms affectivity. 5.1, Modes of Engagement. Structuring being initially characterizes theoreticity, practicity, and aestheticity as, quote, three fundamental and equiprimordial modes of activity, engagement, and presentation, that is, three dimensions, none of which can be reduced to either of the others or to anything else, end quote. These modes are later presented as the, central as the three essential ways that the mind relates to the world. Most regularly, they are determined... They are termed dimensions of presentation rather than modes of activity and or engagement, but the presentations are initially described as being made by human beings who act in the three modes, theoreticians who present theories, agents who present, that is, perform acts, see structure and being 99, and artists who present works of art. These dimensions are also, however, one within which the world presents itself to the mind. Structure and being need not and does not explicitly consider how these two kinds of presentations, presentations by human beings and presentations to human beings, relate to each other because of the differences that become visible when the two kinds of presentations are considered in conjunction, Tapto generally terms theoreticity, practicity, and affectivity, not dimensions of presentation, but, but instead fully consistently with a structure in being 1.1.2 and indeed with structure in being in a whole, as a whole modes of engagement. Human beings engage the world and are engaged by the world in the mode of theoreticity, not only when they present theories, but also when they come to understand theories, 
and indeed whenever they register or attempt to discover truths. They engage the world and are engaged by the world in the mode of practicity, not only when they act within the world, but also when they are confronted with needs, opportunities, or obligations to act within it. They engage the world and are engaged by the world effectively, not only when they present deeds or works that are pleasing or displeasing to themselves or to others, but also when they are pleased or displeased by any entity or experience whatsoever. Human beings, when awake, are constantly engaged theoretically, practically, and effectively, and that they are always situated within being in a matter that they deem more or less intelligible, more or less good, and more or less pleasing. The greater the degree to which I deem my situatedness within being inadequately intelligible, good, or pleasing, the greater is the impetus for me to alter my situatedness by making it, respectively, more intelligible, better, or more pleasing. Any one of these modes of engagement can be the focus of conscious attention, and more focused consciousness, heightened consciousness, of theoretical, practical, and effective engagement can be triggered more by the mind or more by the world. Heightened theoretical engagement is triggered more by the mind in the case of the biologist who embarks on a search for new species in a rainforest, or of the sports fan who looks to the newspaper to discover the results of the previous day's games, where it is triggered more by the world when a biologist happens to notice a surprisingly diseased plant while walking to work, or when a sports fan happens to overhear a radio broadcast announcing that a star player has been injured. Heightened practical engagement is triggered more by the mind in the case of the person who sets out to make an omelet for breakfast, and more by the world when that person discovers that, contrary to expectation, there are no eggs in their refrigerator. Heightened affective engagement is triggered more by the mind in the case of the person who, seeking calorological delight, seeking to be pleased by experiencing beauty, that is, visits an art museum or reads poetry, in that, and in that of the person who, setting out to make the world more pleasing, writes a novel or removes weeds from a garden. Heightened affective engagement is triggered more by the world when, no matter how otherwise engaged, a human being is pleased by the beauty of a sunset, a building, or a discarded plastic bag caught by the wind, displeased by the ugliness of weeds in a flower bed, or saddened or elated by a worldly event. Like their Kantian counterparts, theoreticity, practicity, and affectivity are mutually irreducible. Theoret theoretical engagement can but need not be good for the theoretician, can but need not be ethically good, need not be good for oneself, and is always more or less pleasing to the theoretician. Theoretician Theoretical engagement is not good for the theoretician so absorbed in research as to become malnourished or sleep-deprived, and it is not ethically good if it prevents the theoretician from, from fulfilling ethical obligations. Practical engagements can be good for the practitioner, even when based on false beliefs, can be bad for the practitioner, even when based on true ones, and are always more or less pleasing. It can be pleasing to have false beliefs and to do things that are bad for one and or are unethical. 5.2. Theoretical, Practical, and Aesthetic Values Within theoretical frameworks relying on thing-based ontologies, values are problematic. Hence the following famous thesis from John L. Mackey, 1977-1990, quote, If there were objective values, then they would be entities or qualities or relations of a very strange sort, utterly different from anything else in the universe, end quote. The use in this passage of of entities in disjunction from qualities and relations make clear that Mackey 1977-1990 presupposes a thing-based ontology. Even if, however, values would be very strange within any, such, within any such ontology, 
It is not at all strange within various familiar frameworks, including, for example, those relied on by gardeners in auto mechanics, to utter valuational sentences that, within those frameworks, express facts and are therefore true. Such sentences include receiving appropriate amounts of water and sunshine is good for tulips, and running without oil is bad for automobile engines. Within the structural systematic philosophy's theoretical framework, there is no problematic strangeness with such sentences or with such ethical sentences as murder is ethically prohibited. A sentence stabilized, stabilizable within this framework as expressing a proposition and identical to a facting that is a full-fledged constituent of reality. Structure and being introduces four centrally important kinds of values. Semantic values, basal ontological values, moral values, and aesthetic values. A footnote, aesthetic or catalogical values are the only affective values Tapto considers. Back to the main text. Semantic values are clarified in Chapter 3. The other values are explained in what follows in this chapter. And Chapter 7 is devoted to beauty, the most important of the values classified by structure and being as aesthetic. Structure and being introduces basal ontological values in its subsection on the human world, 4.3.2, but indicates that those values are situated within the natural world, treated in 4.2. This is because, according to the structural systematic philosophy, such sentences as the following can articulate basal ontological values and can be true. Quote, it is good for the Tyrannosaurus rex that the Tyrannosaurus rex eats the Stegosaurus. End quote. A, a footnote, a proposition expressible by the sentence to which this note is appended is the following. It's being beneficial to its Tyrannosaurus rexing that it's Tyrannosaurus rexing such that it's relating to its Stegosaurusing such that it's eating. Or, to use factings, the same thing just with all caps. End of footnote. Another sentence, quote, it is bad for the Stegosaurus that the Tyrannosaurus rex eats the Stegosaurus. End quote. I would now say bad for the Stegosaurus that the Tyrannosaurus rex catches the Stegosaurus because by the time the Stegosaurus is being eaten, it's already dead, so there can't be anything good or bad for it. The preceding formulations presuppose two theses central to the structural systematic philosophy's theory of basal ontological values. The first it is that it is good to be. If it were not good for the Stegosaurus to be, it would not be bad for the Stegosaurus to be caught and then eaten by the Tyrannosaurus rex. Then the second is that entities, most importantly organisms, are good at being the entities they are to greater and lesser degrees. It is good for the Tyrannosaurus rex that the Tyrannosaurus rex eats the Stegosaurus to the degree that eating the Stegosaurus contributes to the well-being or flourishing of the Tyrannosaurus rex. What is good for the Tyrannosaurus rex enables it to be better at being a Tyrannosaurus rex. Human beings, as rational and free, see Chapter 6, are good at being human beings to the degree that they actualize their capacity for rationality and freedom, hence self-determination. It is thus also good for human beings to actualize these capacities. These goods are basal ontological values rather than moral values because they were ones whose actualizations contribute to the flourishing of human beings. Whether human being flourishing requires the acceptance of moral values and whether among those moral values are activating capacities for rationality and freedom are additional questions. The structural systematic philosophy answers both in the affirmative but there are possible and perhaps, perhaps actual theoretical frameworks answering them in the negative. 
One such appears to be the one implicitly relied on Thrasymachus in Book 1 of Plato's Republics. According to that framework, humans flourish by being utterly amoral. Because according to the structural systematic philosophy, human beings flourish to the degree that they are freely self-determining, they do not all flourish in the same way, as opposed, for example, to oak trees, which all flourish in at least essentially the same way. But one condition that must be satisfied for any human being who is to flourish as a human being and that cannot be satisfied by any other terrestrial being is that the human being learn a language within which some of the best currently available theoretical frameworks treating the issue term the critical period, which appears to be to end around the time of adolescence. One reason this condition must be met is that it is only by means of language that human beings activate the essential human capacity of being intentionally coextensive with being as such and as a whole. More on this in Chapter 8. In learning any language that enables a human being to, to be intentionally coextensive with being as such and as a whole, the human being becomes able to understand and to use moral vocabulary. This is so for two reasons. First, Tapto accepts as an empirical fact that all natural languages include moral vocabulary. Second, according to the structural systematic philosophy, there are moral facts or factings. Given this, a human being whose language included no moral vocabulary could not activate the capacity for being intentionally coextensive with being as such and as a whole because that human being would have no access to moral facts. According to the structural systematic philosophy, of course, moral facts emerge only within theoretical frameworks. Any human being who is to flourish as a human being will begin to develop a moral framework as soon as that human being begins to master moral vocabulary. The everyday moral frameworks that develop as human beings mature contain empirical as well as moral theses. Over the course of recent centuries, empirical theses, according to which women and members of certain races are somehow less than full-fledged human beings, have been refuted by empirical evidence, and this has contributed to significant changes both in many everyday moral frameworks and in many legal frameworks. Developing an, an ethical sub-theory for inclusion in the structural systematic philosophy is beyond the scope of this book, but it is perhaps worth emphasizing that the sub-theory is one that would qualify, according to some other contemporary frameworks, as speciesist. According to the structural systematic philosophy, the ontological distinctness of human beings as rational, free, and intentionally coextensive with being as such and as a whole accords to human being also a distinct moral status. For reasons given in the preceding paragraphs, moral values into the universe, or technically the contingently actual dimension of being, see 8.3.5 below, only with the emergence within the universe of human beings. Because they do, structuring being's treatment of moral values, 4.3.1, is located within its treatment of the human world, 4.3. The ontological status of aesthetic or calological values is more complicated than is that of moral values. The reason is this. Although aesthetic values are revealed within the universe only following the emergence within it of human beings, those values can be revealed to human beings only because they are independent of human beings. Hence, according to the structural systematic philosophy, the beauty of a given rainbow is revealed only when a human being, merely coming to see the rainbow, is delighted by coming to see it. But the beauty could be revealed only because it was there. More technically, the revelation of beauty is the activation of a capacity to catalogically delight human beings, but the beautiful being or facting is beautiful by virtue of its being an integral unity of proportionate constituents. Hence, 
it is beautiful whether or not it calologically delights anyone. As has been indicated several times, beauty is considered below in Chapter 7. Section 5.3 is titled Sentences and Operators and is not included in this podcast because it would be simply too unintelligible if I were to attempt to read it aloud. Uh, having said that, anyone listening to this podcast who would like to see the text of Section 5.3 should simply email me at awhite at williams.edu, and I will happily uh, provide copies. Thanks.